Hi, I'm Emma. And I am Jenny. And this is Have You Heard Of? It's the podcast where two best friends finally hold each other accountable for all those pop culture recommendations we keep giving each other. Hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring ting tingling too. It's December, and this week we're talking about It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, you can't, it's audio. You don't see I'm dancing. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what she's trying to achieve here. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Everywhere you go. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I am so excited for this holiday season. I have booked yes. an Airbnb for the week of Christmas. It's got a huge ass bed and a big TV. I'm going to watch so many Netflix Christmas movies. I'm so excited. Hell it's yeah. Oh, I'm so excited for you. Uh, my plan's still up in the air. Who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> we'll see. What nobody, absolutely like. nobody knows what's going to happen. <laughs> exactly. Um, but before we get into Emma's pick for this week, um, do you want to say what it is or should I just do my spotlight? I already said what it is. Did you? You so, did say yeah. it. You did. I did say, but you do what your spotlight and then we'll, and then we'll get into it. I was just so excited you started singing that I just ignored everything you said prior. I was apologize. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hi. I'm going to do my spotlight. Um, so, my spotlight is something that was an early Christmas present for Jenny. Because BTS's new album, B, came out. And when I say how much this album has given me joy, I can't express it. It is like... I- I know Jack listened to it for like six hours straight on Sunday. Oh, I'm so happy that this has happened. Um, one day, I will be doing a full episode on BTS because it needs to happen, but I am always nervous that I'm underqualified to talk about it. But in the future, it will be a whole episode, but just not right now. But I just want to talk about their album. Um, I could go on and on about it, but this was their... Um, album that was just released um it is an album that they have worked on personally more than they've worked on their other albums so they involved in the the music in like the lyrics in the producing um in the style in the feel they like with their photo shoot with the package like they were their foot was in every single aspect of this album and which kind of makes it a bit more personal and a bit more exciting. And this album would not have happened if it wasn't for the coronavirus, which is, like, bizarre to think about because they were supposed to go on a world tour because um, Map of the Soul 7 came out in February, and that was going to be, like, their plans. And obviously that didn't happen, and they were shut away having to be quarantined. And so this album is about their experiences in quarantine and the ups and downs and the hopes and the struggles of that i like i i I could talk about every single song but i won't but i'll talk about two songs (laughs) because there are two songs that have really touched me super intensely um and again when i when this album first came out i was on youtube watching like the live countdown of like the pre-show of the album and then the music video for life goes on and then i like downloaded on spotify i already ordered it um pre-ordered the album physical album and it came in like yesterday and it's very exciting such Um, a haul okay they make the best argument for buying things physically because i was like this is so much swag right so this is they they come with like there's some postcards there's um like a photo booth booth photo book um there are little cards that you can like put in your wallet there's like a polaroid there's 
so many things. A lot of times their albums, you can buy like four different versions of it and they all come with like only one of each thing. But this one was like a deluxe thing. So they have like, you have photos of all of them, which is really exciting. Um, and yeah, so I got it now. So before that, when it, I went to Spotify, downloaded the whole album and I just like sat in my room, put my lights to purple because BTS, I purple you. And just laid in my bed and just listened to the whole album. And so there's two songs I want to talk about. Oh, I've been talking too long about it already. Okay, the first song is the song Blue and Gray. <laughs> I'm screaming because it also, that is a song that makes me think of Dean Winchester a lot. Yes. Yes, <laughs> it does. Um, so yeah, when I first listened to this song, I just started crying. Um, I do not know Korean. And so I didn't actually look up the lyrics of the songs until like a couple days after it came out. So I just like to experience it as just the feeling gives me. And I like, I got what they were saying just by the first listen to it. And it is so evocative. This song originally was created by V to, so Young, who he was going to put this on his mixtape and it was actually originally all in English and um, they actually had a little sneak peek preview of it in their most recent um, like show, it, BTS in the Soup, and he was like playing it. And but the, he when he played it there, the rest of the group really liked it, and so they adapted it and changed it, and so it's on this album. And just some of the lyrics just like get me so hard. Um, so for example, I wrote some of them down. Um, like, some of the words are still in English in the song, but most of it is not. Um, but some of the words... And I, I took my translation from the website genius.com. So it's that's the lyric translations I'm taking it from. I don't know how completely accurate they are, because sometimes finding translations are hard. And sometimes, like, language is more complex than just this word means this. <laughs> I also have to say, this week more than ever, I've been keenly aware of the nuances of other languages. <laughs> and differences in translation. Um, yeah, so, um, so the lyrics, um, I just want to be happier, am I being too greedy? And it's like, oh god, the idea of, like, I just want to be happier, but you're thinking, like, is this too much? Like, is that Also too much very to relevant ask? for our main topic today, actually. I know, that's why I was like, I need to talk about this song, because, man, <laughs> this, this is a is George like... Bailey fan song. Yes, exactly. Um, and then, like, that's kind of, like, throughout the song, and there, this song takes a journey of, like, feeling burnt out and feeling depressed and anxiety and being like, I feel blue and gray. Like everyone else seems happier. And like, how am I feeling? And then the, another line I really like is in the distance future, when I smile, I'll tell you I did. And of being like, you need to be one with your emotions and tell people about it because they have another line. Like, am I singing by myself? And you feel like you're alone, but you need to tell people about what's going on. And when I listen to the song, um, like Emma knows quarantine and the past nine months, I guess, has been really difficult for me. And there was a time, like, in May, that was, like, really hard. And just, like, some of these lines, it's like, I just want to be happier, but I'm not being too greedy, really, like, hit me so hard. Because I remember thinking that, like, I just want to be happier, but am I too greedy? Because, like, I have all these things. There's people literally dying. And I, I feel like I'm being too greedy because I don't feel great. And I'm like, oh, no! Uh, <laughs> and it's so beautiful. I'm like, gnashing like, my teeth! <laughs> the song like, is just this so is, beautiful. 
and it's like uh, this acoustic guitar and it just like their their voices are just so soulful and like this is the first time i listened to bts outside of their tiny desk concert and i did not expect them to come in so hot yes <laughs> i was like i can't oh god the emotional impact this has the um, everything yes i was so happy when you sent me a message being like i've just been listening to this this is the only thing giving me strength at this moment <laughs> That's like, this is the living keeping me gripping to sanity right now um and then the last song i, I i'm gonna briefly talk about is the song dis-ease which is if you spell it out it says dis like disease but there's a dash between the s and e so it makes it like dis-ease and so not just like sickness but also like the opposite of feeling at ease which is I think it's cool wordplay um this song is just a bop. Holy shit. It's just so great to dance to. A banger. Every album on the song is a banger, but this one was like... It's like old school hip hop. And I'm like, hell yeah. This like, is great. Sad, and this song was um, like mainly written and produced by J-Hope. And like it fits his like aesthetic and style. Um, but the bridge is the best part. No one could argue with that. And that was written by Jimin. And holy shit. The bridge slaps so hard. I will read a couple of the lines because also, again, I listened to this all before I knew what they were saying. I was like, this slaps. And I looked at the lyrics and I'm like, oh my god, this is way deeper than I thought it was going to be. And so like some of the things they say, um, there is no internal night. I'm stronger. I spark a fire. I will never fade away. That is very poetic. You're having full body chills right now. I am just thinking, I'm sweet sweating. Jesus Christ, this is also a song about Dean Winchester. <laughs> but that's this is fine. your spotlight, so I'm, I'll, I'll give the spotlight back no, to that's you. Okay. You're full body sweating. I'm sweating. Okay, yes. Also, yes, this is the last The last episode we recorded was before the, mid, the finale of Supernatural, and now it has happened, and we are not okay with it. So, it's, I, I will let Jenny have her spotlight back. As a shipper, yes, I'm disappointed. I was prepared for that. I was not prepared for them to assassinate the character arcs of literally every single person on the show, except for Rowena. I'll give Rowena that when she deserves to be the queen of hell. I don't want to see how they would have ruined that somehow. But just an utter failure of storytelling and narrative coherence. Why did you even introduce the plot of the empty and all of the demons being awake and Cass making a deal with Ruby and Eileen being snapped and then being brought back if you were never going to mention it again? It was a failure of storytelling. Continue, Jenny. So this album <laughs> is really so good. good. It's it's so good, and also BTS was nominated for a Grammy, which is like so exciting, incredible, um, for Dynamite. And I I'm nervous to see how the Billboard 100 charts are gonna look on Monday morning to see if any of their songs from this album have gone there. It's hard to know because, like. Music transcends languages, but then also in the media and in numbers, sometimes it doesn't translate as well in North America, which is really frustrating. So we'll see what happens. Hello, everyone. This is Jenny editing currently. And I just wanted to pop in and say that BTS did get to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 charts for their song Life Goes On. And also number one on a bunch of other things for the album. And a lot of their songs were on the like, Hot 100s are incredible, incredible news. I just want everyone to know that. And also, I just want to thank Emma again for letting me talk about BTS to her all the time, especially when she's going such a hard, through a hard time right now with Supernatural. So if you are listening to this, Emma, 
I love you very much, and thank you for being a friend. Anywho, back to the podcast. I think just, like, again, as a testament to how strong their musical storytelling is, um, is that, like, I did, I listened to this album uh, when I went for, like, a big walk on Sunday and just listened to it for, like, a couple hours, um, and didn't know any of the words, and was like, I am really feeling this, this is really, like, giving me the kind of, like, emotional release that I needed, and then I looked at the lyrics, and I was like, it is even more powerful now, but it doesn't take away from the fact that I was deeply affected without understanding a single word, because their, their musicality is so strong in this album. Oh, so good. Guys, go out, stream, be, it is incredible, you will not regret it, and damn, damn, damn. Damn. Anywho, okay, are you ready to talk about Christmas stuff? I am. Okay, so I have a question for you. Yes. Had you heard of It's a Wonderful Life? Okay, I have heard about If It's a Wonderful Life. I was talking to my mom before I watched it, and she's like, oh, yeah, we watched it all the time when you were young. I was like, no, we didn't. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, your dad would play it all the time. I was like, I have no recollection of this film at all. And she's like, okay, like, you're watching, you'll see and so I started watching it, and there was, like, some things that were, like, reminiscent of, like, remind me of other, like, films, but, like, I've never seen this movie. But I knew about it, because everyone always references it, and they're like, oh, it's, like, it's a wonderful life, or this, or, I'm like, aha, I get it. I also am yeah, a part sure. of this. I know what you were talking about. And as someone who, for a long time, their identity was how much they liked Christmas, and the fact that I haven't seen this one... I, I kept that on the down low for many a time. <laughs> so I was like, yes, of course I've seen it. No, I I knew about it. I knew people liked it. I had no idea about the plot at all. Oh, okay. That's interesting to me. Yes. Um, okay. So my history with this movie is that my parents watched it both for the first time. Like, they did not grow up with this movie. This movie definitely has grown in terms of, like, cultural relevance. It, it was, when it came, it came out in 1946, um, I can get into a little bit more about the production because, like, like all movies, all movies honestly have an interesting production history. I love it. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of a box office bomb. They lost something like the studio really? lost something like five hundred thousand dollars on it. I have hold on, I have the actual is that just because it here. took like is that just because like it was expensive to make? I don't know. I don't know what the budget was, but I did write down that RKO lost five hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, so it didn't even make back its budget. Um, but it did get nominated for five Academy Awards, uh, Best Director, Best Picture, Best Actor among them. Um, and it also won, which I thought was really cool, a Technical Achievement Award because they developed a brand new filming technique to create fake snow. And this was, like, completely oh. revolutionary for the film industry of, like, no That's one had ever awesome. done fake snow like that before because they had to have it when George, like, it's snowing in his reality. It stops snowing when he goes into the alternate reality and then starts snowing yes. again when he's back in his own world. And so they had to be able to create, like, visible, noti- noticeable snow on demand. And it was, like, this, it was created by someone named Russell Sherman, which I thought was really cool. And I thought it's a fact you would oh, enjoy. I um, do. I really like behind-the-scenes stuff like that, like, mm-hmm. techniques and um, stuff like, yeah, I, that's fascinating. Because we, we talked about it in the singing with the rain, like they have to put like milk and stuff in it to make mm-hmm. it noticeable on screen. So it's really cool that they created something for that. It kind of reminds me of, I went to the Harry Potter experience in the Warner Brothers studio in England with my sister. And I went during Christmas time. So they had like the Christmas stuff up and they had like a, an example of all the different ways that they use snow on set. And so they had like, this is like this type of um, like it was a bunch of different material, but they used all of them for snow depending on what type of a- aesthetic they were looking for. I was like, oh, I'm fascinated. <laughs> yeah. So at this point, apparently in 
Hollywood, they would use cornflakes for fa- fake snow, but oh. it was so loud when it was falling and when it got stepped on that they would have to re-record all of the dialogue for the scene afterwards. So it was Damn. like this whole ordeal of you could have fake snow with the cornflakes, but then you would have to do ADR later. And then this was like a, like a new chemical compound. It was with water, soap, something called fomite, and sugar to create chemical snow. So that was that was the only Oscar they won was a special technical achievement Oscar, and I thought that was really cool. When did um, this movie par- come out again? Nineteen forty six, and it came oh. out in December, December twentieth, nineteen forty six. So it was released as a Christmas movie, mm. um, which is interesting because actually very little of it takes place at Christmas time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so my parents, neither of them grew up with this movie. Like I think in around the eighties is when it started airing on TV a lot, and that's mm. when people started really being like this is part of our holiday tradition and so my parents remember watching it for the first time in the summer where my dad rented it I don't think they were even married yet they were like still dating and watching it and both just like crying they love telling the story about how they both cried mm-hmm. so hard the first time they watched it and then since that it is probably the movie that I have seen most of my entire life because we watch it every boxing day usually because what happens is that it always comes down to that or the Alistair Sim version of A Christmas Carol from the 50s um, mm-hmm. which is my mom's favorite Christmas movie so we usually watch that one on Christmas Day and watch It's a Wonderful Life on Boxing Day because that's ah. kind of like it's so long. I always in my head think it's like an hour and a half. It is over two hours it, long. It's very long. And so Boxing Day is like there's no cooking involved. You're eating leftovers, so you can start it early enough for everyone to still be <laughs> awake for it. Um, and then that being said, this movie has a special significance for me because it's also how I got into crafting. Because you reach a point where you see this movie so many times, I know every single thing that happens in this movie. I could probably recite it to you. Um, and at some point, you just can't do it anymore. And so, like, but my parents are very much like, we have to watch this every year. And my sister and I were like, okay, we will take up crafts <laughs> to help our minds while we watch this. Because it's, like, one where I don't have to give my full attention to it at all. Uh, but I do every year. I'm like, every year, I'm always kind of cranky about, like, I have to watch this movie again. I just want to watch something else. And then it starts, and I'm like, just kidding. I love George Bailey so much. <laughs> I love Jimmy Stewart so much. He... Is he related to the guy from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off? No. Okay. Like Cameron? Cameron. He looks like it, Cameron. They do have that like long, they, long sweet face. I was like, that's his dad. <laughs> it is not. But I, I, I like, knew I, I, I made the connection to know that's who you were talking about. Yes. So I see where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I was like, this guy, I viewed it as like, I was like, this can't be him. This is a different era. But when it was happening, like, some of his facial shapes and facial expressions matched, for sure. I love Jimmy Stewart. I love every validation I get that he was just this incredibly kind and nice person because he plays characters like that all the time. Like, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington is another one where he plays, and, like, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, he plays these, like, really morally upstanding characters who are just, Mm. like, doing their best in the world. And my dad loves Jimmy Stewart. My dad wrote Jimmy Stewart a fan letter and has, like, an autographed picture that Jimmy Stewart wrote him back. Jimmy Stewart wrote back. What? Which was a really big deal. My dad has a frame and had it hanging in his office for, like, 30 years. That's amazing. Um, Right? And so I love this movie. Um, It is officially the first Christmas movie I've watched this holiday season. Actually, that's a lie. I watched Happiest Season last week. But, like, I I watched it this week and I was like... I'm ready for Christmas now. It was. It made me so happy. Uh, it was. Um, yeah, I haven't watched any Christmas movies either. So this was like, I'm usually a person that 
started listening to Christmas music in like late July. And like um and I just haven't and like I like with a lot going on I just haven't been in the Christmas spirit and I'm still like struggling a bit with that but this movie has definitely helped me get into that zone even though what you were saying before like Christmas is not the main plot point but like it or like happens throughout most of it but it's still like relevant enough that it is a Christmas movie Mm -hmm. um but no, it's. I was like, okay, all right, it's Christmas time now. <laughs> it's Christmas time. Um, yeah, and so if you haven't heard of It's a Wonderful Life, cool. That's actually very exciting for you. Welcome to this what I consider a cultural institution. Um, it was released on December twentieth, nineteen forty-six. It is based on the unpublished and then self-published short story, The Greatest Gift. Uh, where I don't have the author's name. I didn't put it down in my notes because I just didn't do that. Um, <laughs> but basically this guy wrote this story, tried sending it out to publishers. No one was into it. So he was like, fuck it. I'm going to self-publish it and send it to all my relatives for Christmas presents. So he printed 200 copies and gave them to like, and that was his Christmas gift to everybody he knew that year apparently, which is extremely nice. funny to me. Um and Cary Grant and his agent got a copy somehow. I got their hands on a copy somehow and really liked it. So it was originally supposed to be a vehicle for Cary Grant, who was another actor I really like uh, from that era of Hollywood. Um, and uh, he, Cary Grant had Dalton Trumbo do a script, which I feel like a lot of people know Dalton Trumbo uh, because of things like the You Must Remember This series on the Blacklist or from the movie Trumbo. Dalton Trumbo was a... Uh, communist sympathizer uh, scriptwriter who got blacklisted oh. during the McCarthy era. Um, fuck yeah. you, Ronald Reagan. Um, and eventually ended up writing, like, ghostwriting a bunch of scripts during the time he was blacklisted. So, like, won Oscars, but not under his name and other people would accept them. Anyway, oh so he wrote, he wrote a version of the script where George Bailey was a politician who gets more and more cynical as the story goes on uh, and then tries to commit suicide after losing the election. And the angel shows him what would have happened if not, if he hadn't been born, but if he had gone into business instead of politics. Mm. Um, and then that ended up not happening, and Frank Capra, the director, got attached, and Jimmy Stewart got attached, and then we get the story as we know it now. Um, uh. Uh, uh, if we're talking about communism, I have one fun fact that I am fully obsessed with. Okay. Because like, we came out in 46, yeah. end of the year. In May 26, 1947, the FBI issued a memo stating, with regard to the picture, It's a Wonderful Life, uh, and then a bunch of things that are redacted, um, stated in substance, the film represents rather obvious attempts to discredit bankers by casting Lionel Barrymore as a Scrooge type so that he can be the most hated man in the picture. This, according to these sources, is a common trick used by communists, deliberately maligning the upper class, attempting to show people who have money as mean and despicable characters. Uh, And basically the FBI tried to censor this movie because they thought it was communist propaganda because Mr. Potter sucks ass. This is hilarious. Oh my god. I'm obsessed with this fact. They were like, it's communist propaganda to care about your fellow man and want to help each other. The amount of times that, like, just the idea of someone helping someone. Someone's like, no, that's communism. I'm like, guys, okay. <laughs> you need to calm down. Guys. Like, Mr. Potter sucks. Like, Mr. yeah. Mr. Potter is an evil man. Like, these pe- FBI, look into yourself. 
and see, yeah, if you don't see him as a villain, then what are you doing? Like, I know, and I just, like, if it, I have been, it, this movie, this year, hits differently, because yes. like, Mr. Potter gets away with it, and I was like, which we'll get into, <laughs> but, like, the movie ends, and I get, I am so emotional every time when everyone comes in to help George, but it just reminds me of people, like, donating to GoFundMes now, when I'm like, we shouldn't have to be doing this, we should have this, like, infrastructure and community support. Yeah. Um, anyways... <sighs> We'll get into it, I guess. Uh, and then the, my one other fun fact I had for this is that the bird who plays Uncle Billy's pet raven is a raven named Jimmy, who uh, actually had a very long and illustrious film career who appeared in basically every Frank Capra movie and was the crow that lands on the scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz. So Jimmy the Whoa, Raven. Oh, what a pretty, famous Pretty crow. big deal, right? It took you like halfway through the movie to be like, was that crow always there? <laughs> is that a bird? Uh, I know. I was then, like, maybe it's just like there, but then it just kept being there. I was like, wait, wait, what? And then there's a point when you go into his house and you see he has a bunch of animals. I was like, man, I want to be him. I am <laughs> Uncle Billy, but like not in a good way. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and in terms of being able to remember literally any task that I have to do and then not doing that kind of way. <laughs> uh, I just love like, the office dynamic of where they work like just like there's the heads but it's like a family and it's not and just like, like a family family because legit some of them are related but it's also like the people that work there and the front house staff are just like buzz, they know like how it. to work together like they know uncle billy is forgetful they know that george is self-sacrificing so they know to be like george go home billy you forgot to do this everyone eustace get in here like they know how to work together um one more fact about the raven is that the raven's name is jimmy which is also the name of jimmy stewart and jimmy stewart was like yeah the bird was super professional the main problem is that every time someone tried to get his attention i would also turn around (laughs) (laughs) oh that's the same like my um my sister and her partner they have a dog named Ginny. that's so confusing the amount of times they call either of our names and I, for some reason, the track record of when they actually say Ginny and I look is way more than when they say Jenny, I don't look. I don't, I, it's bizarre. But every time I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> uh, animal stars, man. And a crow. Right. Was it a crow or a raven? Um, raven. The raven. His name is, his full name is Jimmy the raven, but he Jimmy would also play crows. He was quite a raven. versatile performer. Yes. Do you know what I'm quoting? You gotta get down your ravens. Are you quoting the Adventure Zone? No. That's the only thing I can think of with ravens. Raven. No, it... I don't know what you're talking about. Dirty 30! Oh no! I'm so sorry! Oh it's god, okay. I think I repressed him specifically out of my mind. <laughs> That's as low as I can go. Okay, anywho. That's a good flick. Should we watch that and Emma's Emotional Repair Tour 2020? Uh, yeah, this this movie brought me on a journey, for this sure. This movie is a journey. So, yeah. So, like, like, let's kind of walk our way through it. Like, you meet George Bailey, um, or rather, you, you don't meet him right away. Like, it, the movie opens with ev- everyone praying to George Bailey. This movie yeah. is also, like very religious in a way that like never fully compre- 
I comprehend as religious because I'm just like, mm. it's an angel. Um, but like, it, <laughs> it's an angel, you know, they're it's around. It's a doll. Um, it's an owl. <laughs> it's a bonus fry. Um, uh, but with everyone praying to George Bailey and an angel in training, Clarence, also a fascinating, I think, mythology lore around heaven of when you die, you go to heaven, but then you have to like train to become an angel. Anyways, yeah. angel in training, Clarence doesn't have his wings yet, but if you can save George Bailey and then you meet, then he might get his wings and then you yeah. get to meet George Bailey. Yeah. This movie was such a wild ride because... When it started, I was like, I have no idea what is happening. It was just, like, two, like, it was a stagnant screen with, like, these lights talking. And I was like, okay. And then I, like, fast forward to, like, olden times. But it was, like, but even farther back. And I was like, I was trying to write down notes being like, what is happening? I want to make sure I get the plot correctly. And it's like, and then he loses his earring. I was like, is this important? Uh, Is this this an important plot point? I don't know. Um. Yeah. I love little George Bailey so much. What a sweet child actor. I'm just like, you seem like such a nice boy. <laughs> it was like, such a nice child. It was so stressful. Like The was, beginning is, I always forget how stressful the beginning is, actually. This movie, I wrote down, I was like, this is kind of depressing. <laughs> like, it is. I'm not used to, like, I've, like, definitely, like, Christmas movies, there's some that have, like, emotional things to them, but, like, when this is happening, I was like, this is, this is a lot to take in. <laughs> this is two hours of a man being pushed to his absolute limits. Yeah. And yeah. not knowing that he's allowed to ask for help or tell oh. people no. George Bailey needs to set some boundaries, but he's trying so hard. So, like, it opens with him saving his brother from drowning, which causes him to permanently lose hearing in one ear. Yeah. Somehow, <sighs> I don't know how, how that happens. But I don't know anything about how the human body works. Yeah, so we get that, and then, okay, then he's working for an alchemist, but, like, the alchemist only almost gave people poison, but he stops it from happening? Is that okay. what happened? So, so, yes. So, basically, this one, it took me, my dad, I remember, like, being little, my dad explaining it to me. So, basically, he works at, like, a drugstore that's also, like, a soda shop, and yeah. he's the delivery boy for this pharmacist, and the pharmacist... Mr. Gower uh, is like wasted and asks George to make a delivery and then you like it, but it only flashes for like one second where it flashes on a telegram and you find out that Mr. Gower's son has died that morning yeah. which is why he's so drunk and he has mixed the wrong thing into this prescription oh. um, and so George figures it out but doesn't know what to do because he can see that Mr. Gower is really upset and doesn't want to call him out on it but obviously doesn't want to bring poison to a child yes um, okay that makes so more sense stressful. When I was watching it, I was like, did, he, did the alchemist by accidentally murder his own son? That's what I thought happened. And then he got yes. a telegram, and then he's like, oh, God, the poison. I was like, what is happening? Yeah, okay. so the son died of unrelated causes, and then Mr. Gower is just too upset to notice. Like, no one in this movie knows how to ask for help. No. Um, anyways, and, but I, two things. I love little Mary and little Violet. Um, so cute. They're so, so cute. cute. And I love Mary, who just does get what she wants in this movie, where she's just like, that one, I'm in love with him. I'm going to I'm gonna manifest this dream into yes. reality. Um, and I also love George being like, I don't know what to do, and then looking at a sign, and it just says, ask Dad. He knows. 
Yeah, he's like, okay. <laughs> All right, then. This poor child is under so much stress. Yeah, the beginning part of the kids, I was like, okay, I can see what happens. And then when they fast forward to when he's like a young adult, mm-hmm. and that's when I think the movie like really started to capture me. Because at first I was like, okay. Like their kids was like, I don't, because I, I was confused about what was happening. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Some of that like editing quality was like i'm like that was that was a weird chop that didn't flow well but but then the, as it kept going i was like it added to the charm of the movie of yeah, it being like, like oh, edited strangely it's like a little it's like a little angel powerpoint where they're like here's all you need to know about george bailey yeah like sometimes like like even like from shot to a shot like they'd be turning this way and then the next shot also was like a quick like a hard cut and they were like facing another way and i was like wait what but then and then near the end i was like this just seems like someone was like i want to show you a thing and they showed me the thing <laughs> i figured out how to do this i want to yeah. show it to you mom um, look i my probably my favorite part of the movie is is like the scenes of young adult mary and george like at the party and then after the party is just like so charming and endearing and like we're long-time listeners of the podcast. It takes... Jenny sometimes doesn't see the relationships in and most And as a confirmed lover of crushes. <laughs> so the dynamic sometimes doesn't work. But for this, I was watching it, and I was, like, smitten. I was like, this is They're so, so cute. So adorable. I, I just love it. Like, it's... So you meet George, and he's saved up to go on holiday. He's, he's, he's been out of high school for four years. All of his friends have already graduated college. He's been saving up and working for his dad so he can go, and he's going to take a big trip. And he goes to... And I was also, like, laughing because I was like, if this happened in real life of, like, a 22-year-old going to a high school party, I'd be like, get out, loser! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I said it's George, and I'm like, oh, George. And then, like, yeah. him and Mary, I love the dancing. Did you know about the pool? Did you know about the pool? No, I don't That's know anything such an about iconic this scene film. for this movie. I love it so much. It's like the Charles because I was like re-listening to past Adventure Zone live streams, and when they said like they opened the pool, and I was like, oh, this is like in the Wonderful Life. I was like, I don't get the reference, and this is the reference. <laughs> and I, but I like that like they fall into the pool and then they just keep dancing, and they just and roll like, with it, and everyone's having such a good time. Like, oh, I want to be at that party. Oh. And yeah. then them walking past the old house and just flirting is so sweet so, of, like... I did not realize this was from this movie, because, I, like, in my head, I kept thinking, okay, this is a Christmas movie, and I kept thinking, like, when is the Christmas going to come into it? So I kept being, like... In so about an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, so I remember seeing this scene, like, played on, like, um, not the entire scene, obviously, but on, like, highlight reels of, like, film and stuff, or, like, with romance. And, like, this scene when it's like, what do you want, Mary? Do you want the moon? I'll get the moon. And then he says it, I'm just like... <gasps> you, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. I'll give you the moon, Mary. I'll take it. Then what? Well, then you could swallow it. And it all dissolve, see? And the moonbeams would shoot out of your fingers and your toes and the ends of your hair. Am I talking too much? Yes. Why don't you kiss her instead of talking to her, death? Just the, it's like witty banter, but like not witty. It's just like 
sincere banter. And I'm like, it's only huh. witty because they're both really into each other. Like, if they yes. weren't into each other, it would be like, okay, dial it back a bit, bro. But they're both so smitten that you're like, yes. And there's yes, that guy watching yes. it. I'm like, that's me. I'm the guy <laughs> watching for the balcony. Like, are they going to kiss? What are they, they going to do? Just like, I also love Mary, who's like 18 in this scene, and is like, this crush I've had on this man for 10 years, and it's finally about, he's finally about to kiss me. And then he does go to kiss her, and she's like, psych, I'm actually too nervous. Goodbye. What a and move, just like, though. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, nope, nope, scary. Nope. Um, <sighs> and I just like that scene of them just like singing two together, and just goofing around, and just having a great time, and... It's such an interesting scene when he starts talking about, like, I know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I'm going to travel and do all these things. And you can see Mary's faith kind of drop because, like, her dream is different. Her dream is to just be with him. And, like, but she doesn't want to say that. She doesn't want to say, don't go and stay here because I'll be here. So, like, she kind of just lets him keep going and, like, wishes and kind of, like, keeps him on the edge. Like, what, what, what is happening? And it's just, I thought it was a really good plot point of like you know who these two characters are like right away because he is discussing of all the things that he wants like wants to do and she's like understands that and like will support him but also is like um i i just want to be like she she wants to be with him and she would go with him places but she also just really wants to not move out of her hometown and wants to have this life together um and like is an interesting thing too that i noticed is that like I don't know. I, I don't know if you hold to the same birthday lore of like when you wish on your birthday cake, you can't say what you wish for because if you say you won't come yes. true. Yes. And so they're throwing rocks at these windows trying to break it. If you break it, your wish will come true. But then George says what his wish is, and Mary doesn't tell him hers, and hers comes true, and his doesn't. Ah, yeah. Also, I'm kind of moving ahead way too far, but don't they kind of remind you of like the beginning of Up? Not, like, the sad part of it, but, like, like the wanting the guy wanting to be an adventurer and go all over the place, and then yeah. there was an old rundown house, and then they end up, like, buying the house and living in the house and staying. Exactly, and then, like, their life together is the adventure. Yes, and th- that's why I said it's a different type of adventure. Like Exactly. He loves Mary so much. And, uh. like, okay, so I, I was looking up this movie and kind of wanted to see, like, what in the way that like we we as a society love to look back at things with 2020 eyes mm. and be like how has rewatching the and so there was actually a, a reporter from the new york not reporter a reviewer from the new york times who uh in 2008 so i guess still like 12 years ago whole world, <laughs> um said that he doesn't like this movie because it is a terrifying asphyxiating story about growing up and giving up your dreams of seeing your father driven to the grave before his time of living among bitter small-minded people it is a story of being trapped of compromising of watching others move ahead in a way of becoming so filled with rage that you verbally abuse your children and your wife and i was like i think that is such an unkind way of looking at this movie yeah. i guess we can get into george yelling at his family later on because that happens in a while but, but i was like okay. I think, like, I I like George and Mary's relationship so much because he does have to give up on his dreams, and it is really bitter for him to small swallow, and it's it's frustrating because like, obviously, very few people get everything they wanted, but with George, it feels like he doesn't get anything he wanted. Mm. But what you want can change. Yes. And what you get in life isn't necessarily what you expected, but it can still be 
good for you and you can still be happy with it and so like this movie like this is kind of the beginning of like after they're they this lovely romantic scene george finds out that his father has had a stroke and so he has to give up his trip to deal with the arrangements and then he has to not go to school so that he can run his father's business and his little brother gets to go to school instead Mm. and it just like sets up this whole chain of events of george giving up things and it's frustrating to watch because you're like you shouldn't have to give up everything but i also just like don't really have an interest in looking at this story from such a cynical perspective of being like this story is just depressing but it's about a man giving up everything he ever wanted because it's ignoring the, like the way that George and Mary do manage to carve out things that make them really happy out of the, the circumstances yeah. they find themselves in amidst the Great Depression amidst the Second World War I think this is like someone who has like it's like in my perspective this review was written when they haven't seen the ending of the movie like the thing is, yeah, it's depressing, and it's showing you the reality of how consumerism and greed can happen and how good people have to sacrifice things for other people. But sometimes what brings you joy is that you're bringing joy to other people. So him staying there and doing all these things, but in the, in the end, you see he didn't give up all of his dreams. And, like, it's, like, to the review's credit, yeah, it some of the things are true of, like, it shows, like, the gritty like reality of sometimes you can't fulfill all your dreams or the things you want to do and you have to make sacrifices for yourself and it shows gets to a point when it shows that you can't sacrifice everything because you need to give some to yourself you need to keep something for yourself exactly so i think this shows how like the pendulum of like you can't go so far to one side that you break down and you feel like you have nothing but you also because you'll burn out Exactly. So there's, you have to have a balance of it. And I think by the end of this movie, he kind of shows like how grateful he is for the things that he does have. And, but at the same time, it is true that like people should not have to give up on everything that they, they want to do. But as the movie shows, he is a type of person that no matter what, he will think of someone else first, which is something I can relate to a lot. And I'm working through, um, to, think of yourself sometimes and it's hard to do that when you prioritize others and he got burnt out and I totally get that um and I think he he just needs to work on his balance between the two things but I don't think the ending feeling of it is the whole greed and how this is a horrible and like yelling like yeah all these things that he did was not great and not okay but he's reconciling with that and he needs to fix those issues that he is having and it's not necessarily the things that he is doing. Well, it is some of the things he's doing, but it's the circumstances in which the places he lives is he's not being given the chance to be happy. He's not given the chance to fully experience his wishes and dreams. But again, those could change. Exactly. And then, like, another thing, too, about, like, this quote is, like, some of you like, oh, he has to live among bitter, small-minded people. And I was like, well, that's not really true. It's that it's he sees people need help and I think like another thing in 2020 is people realizing that like you do have to have a really strong sense of community not just with like your friends and your family but like with the people you are living with and around and like how can we support each other as a community and like from grassroots levels and like a lot of talk about like institutions and systems that don't work to serve people and instead just create more problems and so like I I love George and 
everyone at the the Bailey building and loan who were like, we want, like, I just watching in 2020 was so moved by him being like, I don't want people to have to spend all of their money into renting slums. I want you to own a home. I want you to have a home. I want you to be able to build a life. And so I'm just like so moved by George Bailey's crusade to create like affordable housing. This movie like, yeah, hit so hard. I'm like, this is the reason why I'm scared of investments. This is the reason why I'm scared of mortgages and loans. Like, because you should not have to be saving up, work a bunch of different jobs to have a basic living space. Like, it, and the idea, like, he's talking to, or in the the meeting, and he's talking with Potter, and he, Potter's like, yeah, they can save up enough to get it. It's like, do you not understand that, like, these people are, but they have other expenses. They have to live. They have to... It reminds me of that... What is it? Um, there was a speech when... I forget what company it was, but um, one of the prosecutors or someone was saying, like, okay, like, you're saying, like, here's someone who works at your place. This is how much she spends for this. This is how much she spends for this. This and this. And then, so, every month, she is, like, in a deficit. How can you not pay your employees, like better a living income like it is a living income but when you actually look at it people who have wealth don't realize what goes through people who don't and okay. he's just like okay. i'm going to stick up for these people and give them the basic decency of hum- being a human they deserve a place to live comfortably and securely I know, and so, like, I don't look at this movie and be like, George Bailey sucker worked himself to death. I'm like, we need more, we need to be more like George Bailey of, like, we need so many people working to take, we need to take care of each other. Yeah. Um, anyways, so that's, like, going kind of back, like, anchoring us to the plot is so, uh, the movie flashes forward another four years after George and Mary's first, like, date. I mean, it's not really a date, but, like, their first kind of, yeah. Moment, um, and then Clash was before where she's moved away to New York, has graduated university. His brother has graduated, yeah, and is supposed to. Oh God, this gets me every time. Of his brother Harry, who like is like, ah, I'll thank you so much for paying for my university education. I'm gonna come back and work for the building and loan, so you can finally go to school. Jokes. I got married, and I'm gonna move away. Yeah, and George is just like. Well, but Harry says, like, oh, she's just joking about the job. Like, I understand. Like, you can do it. But this is, like, George's decision to be, like, no, you go and do it. You go that. And it is George putting someone else's happiness before his own again. And it's just so painful to watch. It's so much easier to put someone else's happiness before yours because you can instantly see the results. (laughs) And it's, like, a safeguard of, like... Now I don't have to think I'm the reason my dreams didn't come true because I can yeah. just be like, well, I gave it up for my brother. It, yeah, it's, you, it's, you, it's easier in many you ways. You take accountability off of yourself and you put your you become accountable for others, and then but in the end, then no one's accountable for you, and then it's just like, oh god, <laughs> the whole thing. Coming in hot with the George Bailey George Bailey psychoanalysis today, Jenny, <laughs> and I'm living for it. Um, Thank you. Okay, so I. Also, really love the second scene we get with George and Mary, where she is back from university. Yeah, I, it's so funny. Like, I just love this whole scene. If he's in such a terrible mood, and she's fully ready to be like, yes, this cute boy I flirted with one time four years ago is definitely still going to be into me. We should all have Mary Bar- Bailey's confidence. Yes. Um, and he's in such a bad mood, and she's just like, okay, 
time to recalibrate the plan. <laughs> I will make him jealous instead. Yeah, yeah. Her idea of what's happening versus his idea of what's happening, and, like, they get on the phone, and then, like, they're super close together. Okay, so I also, I love, he's like, I'll get on the extension. She's like, you can't, mother's on the extension. And her mom, who's eavesdropping, is like, I am not. <laughs> Classic. Um, uh, okay, so there's this scene in Fleabag, in season two of Fleabag, between okay. Fleabag and the priest, where they are both a little tipsy and hanging out in his yard, and he's afraid of foxes, and he keeps hearing a fox, or thinking he sees a fox, and he keeps getting up because he freaks out. Every time he sits down, he sits a little closer to her, and he, mm. until they're sitting. So like they sat off on opposite ends of a bench, and then the seat ends, and they're right next to each other, and then uh, I spontaneously combust. Um, but that's also what this phone scene, like, the, this phone scene walks so Fleabag could run, because they're on the phone, and at first they're passing it back and forth, and then they're leaning in together, and then they're leaning in even closer, and then their faces are right next to each other, and she's like, what do you want? And it's also good, because it's like, this whole time no one has been asking George what he wants, he's telling people, and no one is listening, and then Mary is finally like, what do you want? Why are you here? What are you trying to do right now? And it's yeah. just so good. People need to communicate. Mm-hmm. Communication is key. Um, and then they get married. And it's very exciting. Yay! And they throw rice. And I'm like, damn, I would not want people to throw rice at my wedding. I feel like I would get it in my eye instantly. <laughs> like, someone would just, like, like, open the bag of rice and it's already in my eye. Like, I I can't. <laughs> at least I'm not a vampire. So you'd have to count. I know. That would be such a moment where you're like, well, we can't go for our honeymoon now, sweetie. Sorry, I have to stay and count all this rice. <laughs> um, and then they can't go on their honeymoon because... Um, the because banks... the Great Depression happens! And then that, and then George Bailey tries to, like, describe how investments work, and they're like, but, like, give me my money. It's like, no, your money is their house. Like, that's not... He's like, no, like, we're, we're a loan company, so you put in your money and we repurpose it. And it's also just, like, so stressful because, like, the they had money in their vault, and then the bank went under, and the bank took all the money from their vault because they loaned to the bank, and then Mr. Potter buys at the bank, and I just hate Mr. Potter so much of him being like, I'll give you half of your money, and everyone's like, we need the cash now. It's so stressful. Yeah. So they use their um, honeymoon money for that, and, like, this scene, this scene is also followed by another just really romantic scene of, like, he's, like, doing this thing all day, and also he's like, oh my god, where's Mary? Like, oh shit. And it's like, oh, come this way. It's like, okay. And then they go to, like, the broken down house, and, like, they set it up for, have, like, a dinner. And, like, he has his friends there, like, Bert and Ernie. Did you catch what his friends' names are? Yeah, <laughs> Bert and Ernie. Are they, like, did they name the Sesame Street characters after them? So I thought yes, and then I looked it up, and apparently, no, it's just a coincidence, but, like, a lot of people assume that Bert and Ernie are named after Bert the cop and Ernie the cab driver. Okay. Um, and, and it's just really sweet and just, like, life is broken down, and it is chaos, but this is our wedding night, and we're still going to be together. And, and it's pouring rain. And Bert and Ernie are just trying so hard to make it nice. And Mary's turned this decrepit house into a beautiful, rainy, leaky home. And I love it, too, where they're just like, it's George. Come on. We got to do it for him. And it's just like, you just see in this whole movie how much everyone loves George. And, like, even, like, in before where, like, Mr. Gower, the pharmacist, has bought George a suitcase for his trip that he never gets to go on. Like, you see all these people trying to help him, but because George Bailey is always self-sacrificing, he's never taking that help. Yes. Uh, it's, 
Yeah. Okay, so then there's, like, a little scene with Mr. Potter, the evil businessman, where he realizes that now that George Bailey is helping people build affordable homes, he doesn't get to be a slumlord anymore. Yeah. And isn't making any money, so he tries to buy George out. Um, George Bailey, who is currently making $45 a week, then gets offered 20000 a year, which is a huge difference. I did the math, so that would be, like, George Bailey going from $45 a week to over $300 a week. Damn. But also, I was like, damn, 20000 Because in 2018, I made $28,000 a year. And I'm like, yeah. that's really depressing for me that, it, like, 60 years later, I was only making $8,000 more than George Bailey. But, I was like, that's a bummer. But that also just shows how much he was going to make. Like, that's a yeah. huge amount of money like back then. Like, a huge amount of money. In, yeah. In, I guess, like, in that point in time, they're in the, like, late 1930s. Like, that's a huge amount of money. Oh. And he says no because he's like, no. (laughs) Like, he's like, I don't want to work for you. Um, No. And then the war happens, and he stays. The war montage makes me laugh so hard, because it's like, Mary fixed up the home and ran the USO while having two more children. And then it's like, his friend Sam became a war profiteer. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, did he stay behind because of his ear, or is that why? Yes. So he got marked 4F, which is, you can't go because of his hearing. Ah, okay. So he stays, and it's still hard times, but he, like, keeps the, the, what is their company called? I don't think we've said it yet. The Bailey Building and Loan. Building and Loan. Um, so he stays there, helps families out. Um, his brother gets, like, a medal for, like, saving his a bunch of people. brother saves a whole transport of Navy yes. men. And so things are going okay. And He's then... He's got a truckload of children. <laughs> and then stress happens. Okay, confession time. Okay. Of Emma. Yeah. As I said, I've seen this movie easily over 20 times in my life. This time, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to watch this. I skipped this the whole, like, 50-minute period of this movie. Because I was like, I cannot watch George Bailey break today. This year, I can't do it. So I actually was just like, we can talk about it because I remember everything that happens. But, like, I also just stressed me out. Like, I mentioned, like, I am very Uncle Billy of, like, I know what I have to do. And then it will happen. And I will just, it will leave my brain. And I'll remember an hour after I was supposed to do it. And I'm just like, God fucking damn it. <laughs> I have definitely, and so, like, there's been times when I'm like, I need to keep this receipt. And then, like, an hour later, I'm, like, lying down. I was like, where did I put the receipt? I find it crumpled up on my counter. I was like, when did this happen? I don't remember. Why did I do crumpling that? Up I'm queen of, I'm queen of, I'm going to put this here so I don't forget. And then I do. Like, yeah. and that <laughs> never makes any sense. So, yeah. So, basically, they have to make this huge bank deposit. Yeah. Um, there's, a, like, a bank examiner who's in... I mentioned Violet briefly. Violet is Mary's friend who is just like a little boy crazy, a little fun. Yeah. Um, and Queen, iconic dialogue. This whole thing, I only put it on when I don't care how I look. I love Violet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, George Bailey's having a pretty good day. His brother just got a big medal and is going to come home for the Christmas party that night. Violet comes in and she's just absolutely wrecked because her life's not going great. And George is like, you know what? Don't worry about it here. Let me lend you some money. But the bank examiner sees this and is like, who's this dude just giving away money? Yeah. Um, meanwhile, 
Uncle Billy's at the bank trying to make this deposit and sees old man Potter and, like, has his newspaper that talks about how Harry got a medal that day from the president. And it's like, here, Mr. Potter, take this newspaper, middle fingers. Yeah. What Uncle Billy doesn't realize is that he put all of the money in the newspaper and all of their money is missing. Yes. And so he is, like, stressing out, can't find it. Potter figures it out that he has it, and he's not going to say anything. And then you see Uncle Billy just, like, running around trying trying to to find find it. it. And this is, like, so nightmare scenario for me where I'm, like, this, oh, God. I'm just, like, you're, like, shit, I can't talk my way. I can't charm my way out of this. This is a huge, this is a crime. And then, like, George is, like, where is it? And, like, you see him, like, interrogating him, and he's, like, I don't know. You're just like, it's so stressful. And then it's just this moment of like, George is like, I'm responsible for that money. If it's missing, the bank examiner is here. He will notice right away. And the easiest explanation is that I stole it and I will go to jail. And it's so stomach churning. Yeah. And so you have this scene when he goes home and he kind of blows up. It doesn't kind of, he blows up at his family, yells at his kids. Um, he sees like one of his child is sick in bed and he's like he has a moment when he's like tender with that child and he's like are you okay and like sees a flower and then he gets pissed he's like how dare someone put this towards my child because when you see like everything he has done is self-sacrificing now he's like oh my god i'm gonna go to jail with all these things i'm gonna lose everything i'm gonna lose everything i've sacrificed for exactly and then he then he sees one of his child sick and he's like i sacrificed my whole life for all these things and now my child is sick like how dare no one else care for the other people i care about when that's all i do and so he he storms off and has a breakdown and um goes and he goes to goes to potter for help and potter is like sucks to be you an evil man i know uh and he crashes his car and then he goes into a bridge I have a fun fact for you that I promised you from a couple weeks ago. Oh, okay. He goes to the bar. He goes to Martini's bar. Martini is one of the men we've seen earlier in the film who's yes. a friend of George. George helped him build his home, and Martini is like, something is wrong with my friend. He's getting way too drunk. It's Christmas Eve. Go home to your family. The bartender there is an actor named Sheldon Leonard. This isn't my fun fact. This is Sheldon Leonard, which is also okay. was the naming inspiration for Sheldon and Leonard in Big Bang Theory. I don't know why. Oh. But... They don't have, like, it's it's 1946. They don't have a jukebox. They don't have, like, music in the bar. They have a live band. Mm-hmm. And the woman singing in the band is the voice of Snow White. And this is one of her very few film performances outside of Snow White. Because as Jenny mentioned a couple weeks ago, Disney was very protective of this woman's voice. Because yeah. they were like, as far as the public is concerned, your voice is Snow White. So if they hear your voice somewhere else, it's going to be bad. So that's, I can't, no, I can't remember her real name. I should have written it down. But that's Snow White's voice in the bar. No, that's so cool. Oh, wow. Wow, that's so cool. I was very excited to tell you that fact. <laughs> I'm very excited to hear that fact. <laughs> yeah, it's like, that's so near. Hell um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so now, so up until this point, this has been um, Clarence the Angel seeing the life of George Bailey. And now... He, this he is all caught up like the void fish that you're all caught up now now oh. it's your turn <laughs> see what happens i don't i'm, I'm quoting the adventure zone a lot this episode um, i mean we quote it almost constantly at each other so i'm surprised it took this long to come out <laughs> 
Um, and so he is like clutching his life insurance and he realizes that he is more valued in society in his mind his value and what he thinks his value is the amount of money you are worth is more worth when you were dead than alive and i'm like damn george bailey that is not true that is not true but when you see how society sometimes treats people like that like you haven't i don't think you've watched um patriot act but there's a whole episode about cruise ships and how they like give out life insurance if someone dies on a cruise ship and it, they only give you money as if like what you would have earned in your average life so children and seniors pretty much get nothing because a child doesn't have a job yet so they're not going they don't know what you would have made and you're seniors so you're retired so they don't give you anything that's effed yeah I also yeah. had never even considered the possibility of people dying on cruise ships, and, like, that's gotta happen a lot. Oh, it does. Um, and But a lot of them aren't, like, only suspicious deaths have to be reported. Anyway, it's okay. a whole thing. Um, and who deems what's suspicious? The cruise ship. So, um, anywho. There are no laws on the sea. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so this is the moment, which I think was, like, so clever, and, like, some, like, biblical shit when Clarence, to stop him from jumping off the bridge, jumps in himself because he knows that, that George has... is self-sacrificing. It is such, like, a pull that is incredible. Like, it's, it might, like, because everything does, it would kind of remind me, like, of D&D, if, like, some of the characters are played. Like, if my character Rohan was at a certain point, but another character was going to do something that he cares about and he, they were going to, he would stop and he would help that person. So I'm like, oh god, this is such like. A How thing do I that save George Bailey? I give him someone to save. Oh god, yeah, yeah. So he saves him, and then it's such a good scene when like Clarence is just like, yeah, I'm an angel, and they're like, no, you're not. He's like, yeah, yeah, I am. It's like you know, wait, it's like of course you're my angel. Like, come on, he's just like so excited to be there. Didn't this actor Clarence. play the doctor? Because he reminded me of like Doctor Who. He did not, but he's got that vibe of just like, woohoo. <laughs> yeah, he kind of reminds me of like um, the in the Hobbit, the Radagast in the mm, Hobbit. Mm-hmm. He had that like he had the big nose and like kind of like wispy little hairs and yeah, the, a tinkly gentleman. Yeah, um, and so he's trying to say like, no, your life is valued. He's like, no, it's not. All these things. He's like, okay, fine. It. He's like, I wish I never was born. And he's like, okay. Let's see what it's like. And I was like, wow, this is very much a Christmas story. When it's like, just, not Christmas story, um, Christmas Carol. And it's like, let's see, but like different. And it's like, let's, okay, everything is different now. And let's see what it's like. And the impact of one person. I know. Especially in such a small town. Exactly. And like, it's so, this is so affecting to me because like, we have seen George Bailey literally save people's lives multiple times. Like, I have never to my knowledge, actively saved someone from dying. I have done, I hopefully, a net good overall. But, like, for, I think if we were never born, it would be much more like a butterfly effect. Whereas I'm, like, Mm -hmm. you just see how, like, at his breaking point, George Bailey is, where he's like, I wish I'd never been born, even though, like, we've seen him do so much good. And it's just, like, he can't even think about that in that moment because he's so sad. And, like, not only with the people that he has, like, actively saved that for his knowledge, it's also just someone's presence or 
influence that you have in other people, like you may not even know that's happening, right? Mm-hmm. And like if you've never met this person or like his mom doesn't recognize him and it's like oh, how much of a different person she is because of that. And yeah, it's such like an eerie feeling and like this like I, I enjoyed the scene. There was some moments when I was like George, how do you still don't get it? They don't know who you are. They don't know who you are, George. But, like, I... After, like, I the eighth what... trial, I was like, do you, they, George, they don't... get. Come on, pick up the pace. You get it. <laughs> it's not you get happening. it. I know. I don't know what I would have done. What I would do if faced with that, that eventuality. But, like, I feel like if I tried calling you and you, like, didn't pick up because you're like, don't know who that bitch is, yeah, then I'd I be like, would... oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Because there's a difference between, like, oh... When I was born, I wonder what people were like versus him when he's like, you're lying. <laughs> he tries to like be like, no, they, of course they remember me. It's like, <laughs> They're just they messing with me in an act of community bullying. Um, he realizes like, man, like all these wonders of my life that I've had, like he's had so many goals and dreams. And then he realizes that like those things that he was thinking that he wanted didn't happen, but not having the things that he has now is worse than that, than losing your dreams. It's not having your family. It's not having your kids. It's not supporting people. It's letting the bad guys win. It's making, like... It's giving up. It's giving up. Yeah, exactly. And I think one of the things I like, too, that I'm just kind of putting together now is, like, realizing what you want can, can manifest in different ways. Like, George really wants to be an architect and to build... like skyscrapers and new buildings and he doesn't do that but he did build when the movie's called bailey park which is like a whole suburb of affordable housing so like he's still building things and like i yeah it's just one of those moments of like the movie isn't like well be happy for what you do have it's be happy for all the things that you've done and Mm -hmm. learn how to ask for help so that you can do more yeah um the alternate reality is like really stressful it's the town's not called bedford falls anymore it's called pottersville and it's so seedy i'm like everything in that town is sticky and you don't know why <laughs> i know there's like so many saloons and bars and like and there's like gunfights beyond signs uh, um violet's just screaming on a corner uh mary makes me laugh every time because it's like what happened to mary she never married she's a spinster she's closing up the library right now <laughs> And I was like, that doesn't sound too bad. <laughs> like, it's, it's, life. I've lived that life. It's not an okay life. <laughs> um, um, but his mother doesn't know who he is. His brother drowned because he wasn't there to save him, which means that everyone his brother saved in the war died. Um, Bert, the cops divorced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mr. Gower's been to jail. It's it's such like, it's he opens his eyes and realizes, like, man, I have change people's lives and he maybe he didn't like build skyscrapers and he did like build houses and stuff but like what he built is connections he built connections with people he's built the town he's built trust he's built compassion he has built understanding like he has created this town and has created and instilled hope in the town which is beyond a skyscraper when you build something internal, you know? I know. It's just, it's so moving. And it's, I think one part that also really gets me is that, like, 
he's so worried what people will think of him that people will think that he has stolen this money and nobody thinks that and nobody's like blaming uncle billy either everyone's like we don't know what happened to the money but like we know you didn't do it george like you think he's so worried about like he's put his entire energy into being a good person and what does he have if people don't think he's a good person and everyone is like no we know you are because your entire life has taught us that this is who you are the idea of like trying to be a good person like hits me so hard because that that is me like i try so hard to be a good person and it can be so tiring and exhausting and unproductive um and it's true of like this idea of what other people will think of him and like i get that it's like you have no control of like something that's completely out of your control you don't you can't control what people think you can do as much as possible but no matter what you can only control what you do but his whole life he hasn't been in control of what he wanted to do and so he's like i need to be a good person and oh, and the, there's like the classic line of like no man is a failure who has friends and you're like oh oh yeah. yeah. man he ends up going back to the bridge and he's like praying and being like i i want i want to live i want to live again then like what you were saying earlier that the snow starts to fall and he's back in the normal times and he runs to his house and he starts screaming like saying like he loves everything around him and it's such merry like christmas a- y'all lamppost merry <laughs> christmas mr potter i'm back um, to you then- in jail <laughs> and then he gets home and he's just happy that he can live again and that even though like he still at this time thinks like i'm going, he's to, going jail. to jail <laughs> He's like, at least, like, I'm alive and I've changed people's lives. And then he's waiting. And then, and then Mary comes home. And, and she's, she's got that great big scarf. And she's so happy to see him. And all the kids are piling on. And then that's when I start crying every single time. And she has, like, older movies do such a good job of, like, the glossy eyes. Yes. She's just, like, glowing. And her eyes are brimming with tears. Oh, um, and then the towns come and they start giving all their money. My favorite line is a lady who's like, I was saving this for my divorce once I, if I ever if get ever married. If I get a husband. I love Annie. Annie, so much. Annie works with George's mother at the boarding house and she's great. I also love when oh. she's eavesdropping while they're making dinner and he's like, Annie, just pull up a chair. I would if you were saying anything interesting. <laughs> yeah, and then they say something. He's like, did you get that, Annie? She's like, yep. <laughs> sure did. I did. Um, yeah, this is... I, like, so throughout the whole movie, I was like, okay, this is fine. Like, I get it. And I was like, there were some really cute parts and stuff. And in the end, I was just crying. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I know. That's the thing with this movie is you're like, okay, this is okay. Why is this a classic? <gasps> oh. Oh, no. It's just, and, like, his brother comes and he's like, he's the richest, you're the richest man I know. And it's like, or richest man in town. I don't know the exact. Line. To my but, big brother George, the richest man in town. Yes. Mary, I got him here from the airport just as quick as I could. The fool flew all the way up here in a blizzard. Carry on about your banquet in New York. Oh, I left right in the middle of it. As soon as I got Mary's telegram. Good idea, Ernie. A toast. <laughs> to my big brother George, the richest man in town. The idea of what a being rich means is not you can't quantify it in dollars. You it's like all these people are here because they know you 
help them. And you, again, instilled hope and a future for them. And they are going to provide for you. And, oh, that's just so... And just, like, his eyes, he's just so amazed to see what he has done for people. Because at till this point, he's always done everything for other people. And he won't ask for help. And then, but the people closest to him are like, no, we will help you. Like, look at me. I'm going to help you now. Stop. Take my money. I love you and I care about you so much. (laughs) And, oh, it's so moving. It's, oh. And then Clarence gets his wings. He gets his wings. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. And, yeah. So that's that's the movie. That's that's the movie, and like it's it really like the ending just clinches it. Like it's it puts you through an hour of like falling in love with this man and his family, and being like you're making the bad choices, but I know why you're doing them because they're also good choices. And then you spend yes. an hour watching him suffer, and then you get ten minutes of just like the most earnest heart on the sleeve emotion, and it gets me every time. Like this movie really just like is put together to wring out maximum reaction from its, its viewer. It, it's so interesting to see how, like, he doesn't realize how big of an impact he is doing or, or a big of an impact he is on other people because near the beginning, he's talking to his dad and he's like, you're a good person. And then later on, he, like, defends his dad in front of Potter being like, you cannot go against his... Yeah, he was a good businessman, but, like, you can't say anything bad about his character. And through this but he never sees that in himself but everyone else sees him like that and then the end he's like oh my god (laughs) and it's so interesting that you can't it's it's like giving advice to someone or like praising someone and then like the hardest thing is like the internal praise or the internal um like acceptance yes so it's really great that he gets to realize that finally and see that I think one of the reasons why I, I haven't seen this movie is I think I already told I told you this that there was one Christmas that we were spending at like this Christian camp because you know you grow up religious and then you go it was, I think it was it wasn't a Christmas it was a New Year's thing Camp Homewood on Quadra Island and it was with the church and like they rented out the whole cabins and stuff and they wanted it was movie night and I think they were supposed to play It's a Wonderful Life. And they didn't. They played Life is Beautiful. Oh, yeah, you did tell me this story. Those are very different movies. Yeah, yeah. So, you know the movie when it's like half of it is like a romantic comedy and then the other half is about the Holocaust? Um, Yeah. So I remember watching this and I like, I've always associated those as the same thing. So I was like, this must be similar to that. And so I just never watched it. And then I'm glad I have. I'm okay. I would say so. I'm I'm really happy that you like this. You talking about you crying because I was kind of nervous. Like it is an older movie, and yes. it is like it is one where I am attached to it because I have seen it over twenty times in my life. So it's it's one of those ones where I'm like, even though this like I admit like I skipped a huge chunk of this movie. I love this movie. This movie is Christmas and family to me. Yeah, I found like. The most the Christmas movies that I watch are very like Christmas focused, mm-hmm. um, like Frosty the Snowman or the Santa Claus films. Like very much like these are Christmas Christmas. So like it wasn't as Christmassy as past like other ones I'm used to, 
Um, but it's still like it is relates to the plot. So it still is a Christmas movie. But I still just enjoyed it in general. And I'm starting to think like my idea of like older movies have been wrong in the past or my taste in movies have been mm-hmm. like different. So I'm excited to have watched it. It was definitely like pretty long. Um, <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Um, there were moments when I was like, where is this going to go? But because I had like no idea what was going to happen, it was very exciting. And I definitely feel like it is such a classic that I would like watch it again. Um, like during Christmas time, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm glad I watched it because now I understand all the references to things, which is like this movie is goal. so influential on and just in terms of like having this story t- t- storytelling technique of what would happen if you were never born or if this yeah. had never happened and then you like get to see it from the outside. Like I feel like that yeah. has been used so many times in movies and TV since then. Yes. Yes. Okay. Cool. I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased, and I like just really needed it. I. I'm sorry I keep talking about Supernatural. I was really bummed by the Supernatural finale and also just, like, didn't know what to watch all week because I haven't had to make that... Because I've been rewatching the whole damn series, haven't had to think about what to put on when I want to watch something. And now I'm just like, oh, shoot, there's no more. And so it was really nice, like, earlier this week, just being like, tonight I'm going to wrap Christmas presents, I'm going to make myself a cup of tea, and I'm going to watch It's a Wonderful Life. And I was, like, burning my my pumpkin pie-scented candle, and I had my Christmas lights up, and I was just like, I feel so much better now. Yeah, I feel like I I haven't decorated my house yet, so maybe I'll do that today. Because, like, this movie, like, got me into, like, okay, it's holly jolly. And I think, like, even because it was also like an older movie, like my favorite types of like Christmas music is like the old Christmas songs. Mm-hmm. So even like the atmosphere in which the movie is placed, I think added a lot of elements to the Christmas feel for me. And I love them singing "Old Lang Syne" at the end too. It's yeah. just so joyous. Yeah. Oh man, I'm really happy you liked it. I'm so fl- I'm so excited you went to watch it for the first time. Like I can't remember watching this movie for the first time, so I don't remember ever watching it and not knowing what was going to happen. So I have no idea of what I thought about it, like... (laughs) Oh, okay, I'm so pleased, and I have a really fun game planned. Okay. Okay. So I was thinking about how influential this movie was, and I was really surprised that, like, nobody had ever tried to remake it, like, in, like, the way A Christmas Carol's been remade so many times. That's actually Mm. not true. It's actually been remade a couple of times, but always for TV. So Mm. hold on. Let me open up my notes. Um, Okay. So it actually was remade a couple of times. Uh... In 1979, it was made into a made-for-TV, or 1977, was made into a made-for-TV movie called It Happened One Christmas, which was a gender-swapped version, where it's Clara the Angel and Mary Bailey, who eventually marries George Hatch. Okay. Um, and it was, like, nominated for a bunch of Emmys, was super successful, and was aired every, like, the year after on TV as well. And then after that is kind of when, like, once we, I mentioned before, we get into the 80s and It's a Wonderful Life, the original started airing. So this movie is kind of forgotten. Like, it aired a bunch on TV during the 70s and then hasn't actually been available to the public since then. It was never released on DVD. And then, funnily enough, it got released on Prime this week. 
so okay, sure. Oh. Um, it got remarried in the, or not remarried, remade <laughs> in 1997 for PBS, starring Bill Pullman, who I really love from While You Were Sleeping, and Penelope Ann Miller. Fine, whatever. Apparently, there was a Muppet version called It's a oh. Very Merry Muppet Christmas, where Kermit okay. the Frog wishes he'd never been born, and I was like, that's dark. Damn, Kermit... <laughs> Um, and then also, according to the Wikipedia page, Click, starring Adam Sandler, is a remake of this movie. And I was like, that's pushing it. <laughs> that, I would say that is pushing it a lot. Um, that being said, Click, I found out also, is the only Adam Sandler movie to ever have been nominated for an Academy Award, which is very funny. But, Click was, what? wait, Cl- pause. Click got nominated for Best Makeup and, makeup and uh, okay. like Styling at the All Oscars. Right. I'll allow that. <laughs> you sat up in your chair so fast you were like, that's not okay. <laughs> yeah, Click has been nominated for an Oscar Academy Award nominated film Click. I, I don't approve this message. <laughs> no. My sister dropped a bomb on me a couple months ago that I've honestly not stopped thinking about where she was like, okay, you know Emma, how there are actors who like have good performances and bad performances and you never really know how it's going to turn out and I was like yeah and she's like Adam Sandler chooses when to be good and when to be bad like I've never seen an actor so in control of his own skills that he chooses when to make a good movie and the rest of the time is like whatever um anyways as I have said uh like It's a Wonderful Life was really influential for film and television and like this concept of uh, like, what would have happened if this plot point hadn't existed? Um, mm. And so I realized this is actually really similar to a McElroy bit called That's Christmas to Me. But okay. I, I have uh, four, we have four rounds. And okay. how this is going to work is I'm going to give you three TV shows. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to read you episode summaries. And these are episode summaries I either pulled off of IMDb or from a press release from the network. Um so three episode summaries of different episodes, and okay. two, they're all inspired by It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. And one of them is one that I made up, and I want you to tell me what the fake episode is. We have oh. four rounds. Okay. This is I fun. had so much fun making this. <laughs> um, okay, so the first one, and I tried to like pick shows that were all kind of similar, so I'm going to okay. read you the, the show, the episode title... And then a summary. Okay. I know. I'm like, this is going to take a while because I have to read a lot, but I was having too much fun making it, so we're doing (laughs) multiple rounds. Okay. So, friends, the one that could have been. Rachel tells her friends about Barry and Mindy's impending divorce and wonders what life would have been like if she had married him. This leads the others to speculate how their lives could have turned out, too. Yep. New girl. Turkey brain. A nervous Jess considers breaking up with Russell and instead invites him over for Thanksgiving at the loft. As Winston and Schmidt prepare dueling turkey dinners, Jess wonders what life would have been like if she had taken Spencer back and moved out of the loft the year before. Okay. How I Met Your Mother. False positive. On the way to a screening of It's a Wonderful Life, Robin must choose between two very different jobs. Barney is pulled between donating to charity or buying a diamond suit. And Marshall and Lily are thrown into a panic over their impending parenthood. Okay, did you make up the hat? The uh, I almost said how to get away with murder. Um, <laughs> how I met your mother? No. What? That is a real I episode s- of How I Met Your Mother. I swear, I've seen the other two shows though, and I remember those happening. 
New Girl? I made up the New Girl episode. Okay. <laughs> okay. I knew for a fact the Friends episode. I knew you would know Friends. I was like, I want to give one where I'm like, she's seen. I don't think you've watched Time at Your Mother, but I was like, I know you've seen or heard of these shows, so I wanted to start yeah. off with one. I, okay. So I made up New Good Girl. Good job. I was like, I, yeah. wow. I had so much fun doing this. I feel like New Girl probably did have like a, a similar episode, but that one is one that I made up. Oh, okay. nice. Our next round. Okay. On 90210, it's a totally happening life. It's Christmas time in Beverly Hills, and two angels are watching over the students of West Beverly as they prepare to throw a Christmas party for disadvantaged children. The two angels manage to stop the bus from colliding with a garbage truck, and Dylan dresses up like Santa at the successful party. Okay. That 70s show, It's a Wonderful Life. Eric gets absolutely devastated over his and Donna's breakup and spends all day in bed wishing they had never kissed. That night, while asleep, an angel, special guest star Wayne Knight, comes to show Eric how his and the gang's lives would have turned out if he and Donna had never been together. And Grey's Anatomy, it's a wonderful day to save a life. In the first Christmas since Derek's death, Meredith finds herself working the ER graveyard shift on Christmas Eve and contemplating leaving the world of Seattle Grace. She is visited by a vision of her sister Lexi, special guest star Kyler Lee, who shows her what life would be like if she had followed through with that decision. 90210? That is a real episode of 90210. Grey's Anatomy? Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> See, I've seen all that 70s show, so I knew that one was right. I know, I saw your face, and I was like, because I, I remembered you watched that 70s show, which I never had. Um, yeah. Nice. Okay, you're doing pretty good. All right. Thank you. Oh, you threw in that like guest star. I was like, that can't, she could have put that in there, but <laughs> look at you go, you sneaky. Okay. Um, okay. Scandal. The decision. With the ugly truth behind Frankie's assassination revealed, a torn Olivia wonders how different her life and the country would be if she, Melly, and Cyrus had never rigged Fitz's election. Riverdale. Chapter 43, We Are No Angels. Delivered into the arms of Edgar Evernever after escaping the Sisters of Quiet Mercy, Betty is hypnotized and awakens in a dream world where Jason Blossom was never killed and her father never took up the Black Hood's mantle. Meanwhile, a defiant Cheryl plots to spend Christmas with Tony instead of her mother and helps Veronica plan a Christmas cabaret at La Bonne Nuit. And then Buffy the Vampire Slayer, The Wish. Cordelia is granted a wish by a vengeance demon and moves to another reality where Buffy has never come to Sunnydale and the master rules with Xander and Willow by his side. Scandal? That is a real episode of Scandal. Riverdale? That is a fake episode of Riverdale. <gasps> I mean, all the things you said, I'm like, this could have happened. <laughs> I was like, I have to, I was like, I'm making up a fake episode for Riverdale because no matter what I said, she'd be like, that's fair. That probably happened. I know. As you're saying, I was like, yes, that definitely, I think I remember, wait, maybe not. I was like, I def, I never seen Buffy. I've seen like the one musical episode, but I was like, that seems like something Buffy would do. I feel like Buffy would do that. That is what happened in Buffy. Okay. This is my favorite round. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Supernatural. It's a terrible life. In a mysterious... <laughs> okay, and now the questions? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Supernatural. It's a terrible life. In a mysterious alternate reality, the Winchester brothers are not related. In fact, they have never met. Dean is a corporate man who enjoys health drinks and listens to NPR instead of rock and roll. 
He works at a company alongside Sam, who is in tech support. However, when a string of suicides suggests that their joint workplace is haunted, the two must team up to fight a ghostly threat. Next one. Supernatural. Good times, bad times. <laughs> with his grace damaged after a battle with the Archangel Michael, Jack loses control of his powers and opens a portal to an alternate reality where Dean, fully corrupted by the mark of Cain, is the king of hell. The Winchester brothers try to restore Demon Dean's humanity by implanting memories of the real Dean's heroic deeds. Back in the bunker, Cass cares for an injured Jack and tries to keep the portal open. And Supernatural. What is and what should never be. While hunting a djinn, Dean is attacked and taken to an alternate reality in which his mother hasn't died. Sam is in law school and engaged to Jessica, and the brothers lead normal lives. But when he starts to see a strange girl in this new reality, he realizes the true cost of having his loved ones back and is forced to question whether he should keep his newfound happiness or return to the hunt. The first one? The first one actually happened. Okay, the second one? The second one is fake. <laughs> The second one I made up. But I was like, you've never seen these shows, but you've heard me talk about it so much that I was like, I have to throw in things I know she knows about to throw her off. Yeah, okay, so here's the thing. The first one sounded like a fanfic. So that's why I was like, hmm, that sounds sounds like maybe something you'd have seen, but not in canon. That one is actually one where it is angels who are showing them what their lives would be like if they didn't hunt, which is like... Ah, I, the second one, I was like, I don't know, you've told me about the Mark of Cain, but I don't remember that happening exactly. (laughs) I remember they had to go and talk to some guy, and it was a whole thing. The last one, for some reason, I'm like, that one's true. <laughs> I definitely have talked to you about that, because it gets me every time, because Dean is like, I just want to mow a lawn and hang out with my mom, and, like, that's his biggest wish. Yeah. It's so devastating. Yeah, I was like... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fun fact, there are actually more It's a Wonderful life episodes of Supernatural, but I was like, I can't include all of them. They also do one where their dad never died. Ah. Ah, which is a very good episode, actually. Except their dad sucks. Anyways, that was my quiz. I had so much fun making up fake episodes of shows I love. That was awesome. I like, without fail, I always got on the second guess. I know. I was like, this. that was good for my ego. Because I was like, I don't want to make it difficult. But I also was like, I don't want her to get all of them right right away. I want it to be a little hard. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. That was fun. I like that. What do you like a quiz? It's like, oh, God. Oh, God, I just did a quiz night at my work, and I'm like, I wasn't good at it. <laughs> this is better. I like it. I know. Well, thanks I for also... showing me this movie. You're welcome. I also like my fake episode of Supernatural. Maybe it's time to get back into writing fanfic. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I have to heal. <laughs> um, anyways, I'm so happy you enjoyed it. I'm really looking forward to next week, because I know this is a movie I will not enjoy, but I think my love for you will power through and Thank make you. me enjoy yes. it. Similar to your experience with um, It's a Wonderful Life, this is probably the movie I've seen the most of of my entire life. Um, I can quote the entire thing, and I understand that most people hate this movie. (laughs) And I get it. I get it. I love it. My parents had to hide it from me from a kid because I would watch it all the time. That's how much (laughs) I like this Christmas movie. Um, But I'm glad you're going to watch it. I'm very excited. And, yeah. Do you want to do your spiel? 
I will do my spiel. All right. So uh, Jenny and I every month love also sharing music with one another. She loves it, especially when I put on my professional voice for this part. Uh, we're it. making a <laughs> Christmas playlist that is available on our Spotify, which is Hi Ho Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter or Tumblr at Hi Ho Podcast. You can also email us at HiHoPodcast at gmail.com. We're just, we're desperate to connect this holiday season um yeah did i oh wait no okay so like, did i remember to say anything no i forgot one thing as always you've listened to podcasts before so you know the most important thing you can do is rate review and subscribe on your podcaster of choice especially apple podcasts if only because that's the one i use and i like to get validation um yeah so do that do all those things yeah and thank you so much for um listening to us this week hopefully it's starting to get you into the christmas season holiday season um, remember everyone to stay safe and safe and happy. Too important. Safe things. and happy. FaceTime rocks. I will be FaceTiming my loved ones this holiday season and frankly cannot wait. Yeah. And as always, remember to like what you like. Your opinion is valid. As long as it's the same as mine. Bye. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Bye.